0: So, so welcome to just up the trail i'm rob jones this is my little podcast where i get to talk about my favorite thing in the whole world hiking and it's really cool because i get to talk to other cool people about hiking as well which is uh, all you want really if this is your first time with us today don't worry we're only a couple of episodes in so you've got plenty of time to go back and catch up So the show launched two weeks ago and let's just say I'm delighted with the response it's had, the number of downloads, the feedback I've had has been fantastic. So thank you all for liking and sharing and all of that jazz. An even bigger thank you goes to my guests, certainly this first round of guests where you know they didn't really know what they were letting themselves in for. So Chris, Thea, Tom, Trev, Mike, and of course today's guest, Steffi Boone. Thank you so much for helping me get this off the ground. I really, really appreciate it. Today's podcast features Steffi, who is a really impressive woman. She's a hiker, she's an artist, she's a writer, and she's really quite inspiring, to be honest. And I've, think she's probably just finishing off the ridgeway to add another national trail to her tally. You can find her blog which is called 10 Mile Hike. I'll leave links to all of that in the show notes. So yeah just head over there and have a read. Listen to this show first obviously and then head over there and have a read of all that stuff. It's really good. It's like a little treasure trove. During this conversation we talk, well we talk about all sorts. We talk about responsible access and wild camping we talk about hiking the national trails, we talk about art and creativity in the outdoors and then later on in the show maybe the second half we talk about um, mental health and the impacts that being in the outdoors in hiking can have on our mental health both positive and negative and I appreciate that some people might not be in a position to listen to that sort of conversation so if you're not in the right space for a honest and open conversation about mental health struggles, then please feel free to skip ahead. Once again, an absolute massive thank you to Steffi for taking part in the show. Thank you for your honesty and your openness. And we pick up our conversation around her recent trip to Dartmoor. So you were up on Dartmoor last weekend?
1: Yeah, it was just... I did a lowland leader course I don't know if you've heard of that and as part of that you have to do continual professional development so I was there for that and that's quite interesting actually it was a guided walk which I've not been on for a really really long time I haven't been on a guided walk so yeah it was at Merivale in the prehistoric settlement there with a man called Simon who's an expert in the area and the archaeology and there was just me, Simon and another leader. So we basically ambled around all these amazing prehistoric sites for a good few hours, learning lots and
0: it's wonderful up and there. I think Dartmoor's one of those, Oh, it's. I think it's one of the national parks that gets like the least attention almost. And it's a real hidden gem.
1: Yeah, it's, I think it's got quite a reputation for wild weather and fogs. And like, but I think it's an amazing place. It's really, especially being down here in Cornwall. It's somewhere that even, I, I don't have a car. So even without, car it's relatively sort of accessible i think it's probably about 70 miles from here like that
0: we spend quite a lot of time on dartmoor because you know it's it's quite quiet and that merrivel area is really really something else isn't it
1: yeah it's just it was so exposed i mean there is just nowhere to kind of hide there So, but it's that there's something about that kind of open space that just really I don't know it's just yeah it's just somewhere that I love I think what I really love one of the things I love about the coast walking on the coast is looking at the horizon and feeling that there's something further away that you can explore and I think that you really get that similar feeling in those sort of vast expanses of landscape whereas in mountains I don't I I don't think the feeling is quite the same you feel more kind of um kind of claustrophobic I suppose in in, because you're kind of surrounded by all this height whereas in this sort of vast moorland space
0: yeah, at times in the mountains, you feel a bit walled in, don't you? Yeah. You feel like it's on three sides of you and you just feel a bit hemmed in, but like on top of Dartmoor and Bodmin, similar as well, isn't it? You get on the tops and you can just see for miles and you can cover distances that, like quite quickly without
1: realising quite how far you've gone. One of the things that we didn't do, actually, at Maryvale, we probably walked about two miles, which <laughs> we were just like, wandering around these amazing stones and our guide Simon was just like this mine of information about how the stones connect with each other and through solstices and equinoxes and he pointed out how how you could line up certain stones and how they line up with a sunrise coming up on a tour opposite, between like these tiny little gaps in the crags in the um tours. And you just think, this is just amazing. I mean, um, when you're out walking, you kind of pass through these sort of places and you think, you feel like the atmosphere often, but you don't, I think unless you spend time there with somebody like our guy you don't really get to know the connections between things and how how significant they might have must have been to the people that built them or put them there and it's yeah it's understanding that significance of those kinds of things that to me, makes the landscape alive if you're looking at at how people affect the landscape. I mean, a lot of us, I think, want to escape people, um, which is why we go to those places, because they are vast and empty, but actually they really are shaped by people over thousands of years whether it's through farming or communities that built those kind of settlements
0: yeah it's, it's that it's that connection isn't it to the landscape i suppose um yeah and i quite like the dynamism of, if that is the right word yeah the dynamism that people bring to that landscape so like a few years ago i took a friend down To um we camped on staple tour which i think might be the one that lines up with the rings isn't it
1: yeah exactly so so we camped
0: up on there and um he was off taking his photos and i was trying to explain to him how like he takes his beautiful landscape photography like photos yeah but they feel empty to me whereas i like to have people in my photos just and it gives that sense of connection to the land or you know someone someone's moving through this place like they did thousands of years ago like you were saying
1: yeah they give the sense of scale as well i mean i i took a photo of the mania uh the standing stone there and it's three meters high but there's no one in in this photo so you get absolutely no sense of the scale of this thing at all i mean it could be knee high but it's the scale of it that actually makes it impressive and I think a photograph particularly the ones I take it it loses. they lose all that sense I don't think that they can ever capture that those kinds of feelings which is why when I make art that was my background but I always find that I respond more to people's drawings or artworks than photographs as a place because I think they're more expressive really I think photographs make you want to go and explore places they certainly capture something but I think even if you're I think even if you're a really great photographer for me it's not the same as somebody that that drawers or I don't know there's something about that connection between hand and, and what you see that is far more expressive than, than a photograph but photographs for us for, for your average person stomping through the landscape is an easy way isn't it to, to try and capture what you've seen rather than what you feel
0: Okay. yeah I'm I'm a complete novice when it comes to the art world but there's that difference between um, something portraying a thing as it is and then and and you'll know the right words so which I don't have but so there's like some someone does a does a painting and this is what I've seen and then there's the painting or the sketch or the drawing of this is how that made me feel and I yeah exactly. it's that second one that I get a lot more from
1: yeah definitely and I think that that is possibly because the people that are doing that are people that spend time in in that landscape or surrounded by, I mean, to experience something in that way, to me it's it's about spending time there, which for somebody with my photography skills, I can, yeah, that's not gonna happen. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So if we go back a little way, would it have been, yeah. you know, the moors of Cornwall and the coastal paths that got you started hiking in the first place?
1: My very first hiking experience was actually in the South Downs. Oh, right. Okay. When I was uh, about 16, I think. Then it's definitely the coastal path in Cornwall that has kept me, oh, what's the word? Yeah, that makes just makes me want to hike and mm-hmm. walk, and it's a way of, um, it's just what makes me feel alive and, and connected to life, I suppose, in in itself, if that makes any sense whatsoever. <laughs>
0: yeah, 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 no, it definitely does. Um, so, if you, um, so that first hike, would that have been, that would have just been a day out walking trails, would it?
1: No, it's back, a backpacking trip that was with a group of friends and it was youth hosteling (laughs) and I think it was a very short trip I think it was probably about four days something like that so it wasn't a long trip but it was definitely really memorable and I think it was one of those times where you realize that, that 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 journey on foot is just seeing the landscape from that perspective, spending time walking through it, is what makes you feel connected to it. You know, if you're just, I don't know, even cycling is fast, isn't it, compared to going going on foot? And I think that um, when you're when you're riding your bike, you're kind of restricted to roads or bridle paths those kinds of things i think with when you're on foot and we've got open access areas and things like that you 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 can explore much more widely i think and you can go where you want to not where the road tells you to go which i think is ultimately more fulfilling
0: i think it's quite difficult in this country with um land access as it is until we get land reform like they've had in scotland i think we're always struggling always it always feels quite restrictive doesn't it it's like permissive paths and i mean i'm grateful for what we have yeah but it always feels like it could be more
1: it definitely could be more i mean even in dartmoor i I believe i don't know the details of it but i think that there have been more restrictions have actually been put in or if you like more of our rights have actually been taken away mm-hmm. to work camp it's heartbreaking really I,
0: I know in 2020 at when we first came out of that first lockdown and like the hordes descended on mass yeah and a lot of them ended up on dartmoor and it was just a nightmare. I don't think they had any choice but to close off areas. No, then, but it's, where, it's whether it's then since been avowed again, or whether the restrictions have stayed in place. Yeah. I, I, that I don't know.
1: I gather they're still in place, but don't quote me.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll be honest, we've not been out much in the last two years because it's almost a bit snobby. I suppose it's been a bit like, well, I don't want to be associated with the kind of people who are out there making a mess and behaving irresponsibly
1: i don't really think of it as being snobbish i just i think of it as uh, <laughs> it's probably because i'm exactly the same and you cannot blame anybody who's been cooped up for months on end wanting to come and explore beautiful places but it i Yes, it was just like all of a sudden floodgates are open. That that's how it it feels, rather than a natural kind of evolving way that people might explore the, or begin exploring it. And and I think for a lot of people, it it was just that it all happened at once, and it was so overwhelming that you did want to hide from it, and you don't want to be associated with people who don't respect those environments because they've never really explored those environments so I I think education is is something that that's really been missing but then there's never obviously the desire to explore and change has changed because of the pandemic maybe it's time that we actually seriously educated people. I don't know, that's In like, even, even that sounds like... Yeah, it does. Like for us, for us, like,
0: like over here, we've had the countryside code, haven't we, for years. I was brought up on the countryside code and then Leave No Traces now come in. But like the first tenant of Leave No Traces, plan ahead and prepare. Like do not put too much pressure on the site you're going to. So me going adds pressure to the undue pressure to the site I'm visiting so at that point I'm not going to go but
1: leave my trace in comparison to the countryside code I think countryside code is very much about people going out for a walk a day walk whereas Leave length Chase is much more about people who are going out for a, a, a different experience. We're, we're, they're much more wanting to be much more engaged with wilderness, really, or more remote areas. And it's about protecting by being in those environments. Obviously, you have a huge impact on them and we need to be aware of the impact that we have. And minimise it basically, and I think that they're 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 kind of two different things. And I think, as you say, although it's American and maybe it's come from those big national parks and real wilderness, they've they've got a lot of they make a lot of sense it, it, for those of us that go out wild camping or backpacking in this country and if you don't know about it, it it's not your fault is <laughs> it it's our fault
0: no it's, it's hard to find out exactly. like where, yeah, no, where do is. you go to find out about it speaking of wild camping can you remember the first time you wild camped
1: i it was dartmoor and um, it was with my son and his dad and what about
0: the first time you'd done it like say the wild camp. that
1: was probably Uh, 12 14 years ago when I I split up with my son's dad and I absolutely loved wild camping and I just thought do I not go now because I've got nobody to go with or do I go and see how I get on and what it feels like and I just absolutely loved it and I had a car at the time it was relatively close to home I parked fairly close to where I camped and so you put in place those things that oh my god if I don't like it I can get down off this hill and I can go home fairly quickly but I just never looked back I mean I I knew I suppose because you had been world camping some for you know lots it it wasn't a huge jump but it was also the first time, I suppose, I wild camped where I shouldn't have been. World camping. <laughs> Dartmoor, as you know, you can, Lake District, in, in those kinds of places, you, it's acceptable. Dartmoor it's legal. Other places, it's accepted. Where I went on the southwest coast path was probably none of those things, but... I didn't, but people obviously do because, or had, because they walk the southwest Coast spots. So, yeah, it was just amazing. I remember um, it was quite cold. I didn't have a tent. I didn't even have a baby bag. I was just in a sleeping bag. So I woke up absolutely drenched. <laughs> it was just like, watching the sun rise in the sort of watery kind of colours the sky and listening to the waves crash into the cliffs and just utter peace and just those, yeah, just those feelings. I love that feeling of, of being small and and just feeling like I'm part of something that's really big and un- unknowable like this universe is just so phenomenal and and I get that sense when I'm on my own. I mean, we went
0: up and um, I always get my Welsh pronunciation wrong but we went up Glidafash, up through the Devil's Kitchen and then up onto the top and um, this was between Christmas and New Year 2019 and when we got at the top there was a cloud inversion and it was just like uh-huh. one in a million shot and i just looked it, i just burst into tears because i have just like, <laughs> like i had a proper epiphany yeah if there is an all-powerful being it's this and i felt so tiny and i, I couldn't get my head around anything for about 15 minutes i was just sat there like, looking at it going <laughs> what is this i'm looking at i just, you know so i completely understand what you mean about that that feeling of being so small
1: it's just it's wondrous though isn't it that that's it is. what you, it's just complete wonder you're just whether you're looking at a starry sky or a rainbow <laughs> or listening to birds or, or waves or looking at the light changing on the landscape or the sea it's just that sense of wonder the natural world that that just fills me with joy and peace and i think that living in a town like i do it's a very small town but there's no connection to any of that you no know? so it, it feels really special being in those little sort of places
0: is that the sort of is it that that gives you the drive to take on these national trails at the rate you're going
1: the national trails are they're really interesting actually they're they're a fantastic way i think so far i haven't walked masses uh i think i've done five so far including southwest coast path but what i i wanted to get from them is to explore different parts of the uk it's amazing to me that the range of different landscapes that, that we have in even between here and the Cotswolds you know just a hundred couple of hundred miles away my plan is to work from south to north for a number of reasons one the biggest basically is finances so it's about starting closer to home I suppose so that gives me a chance hopefully to save some money so that I can travel further this year I'm um, in a couple of weeks I'm doing the Ridgeway up in what well, starts in Wiltshire I'm hoping to do the Pembrokeshire coast path
0: oh that'd be lovely
1: have you been have you been
0: no I, I did spend a little time down in Pembroke years ago, so I'm from uh Lempster originally up on the Welsh border because oh, you've done offers Dyke, dike I did you?
1: Office dyke last year, and which is why I really want to do the Pembrokeshire coast path because i'd I'd never really been to Wales before <laughs> some people would say, well you still haven't been to Wales because it's just like in and out of the border, but it was enough to make me want to go and explore more i mean going through. The Brecon Beacons, for example, I know it was only I don't know ten fifteen miles through that uh, national park, but it was yeah. The only thing that I really kept getting irritated about on that hike and others is that I couldn't see the sea.
0: You're so used to it being where you are.
1: So, yeah, I was just like, all right, I really want to do another coastal trail. So and that yeah, I really like the idea of exploring. Wales a bit more. And then
0: over in Norfolk, you've got the, is it the Pedder's Way over in Norfolk? That follows the coast a bit. Yeah,
1: Pedder's Way. It's like two trails, really the Norfolk coast path and Pedder's Way sort of join each other. It follows uh, the Roman roads and they are dead straight. Lots of it's on tarmac. Lots of it is just, enclosed and kind of trees, so there are no views or, or anything like that. I mean, it's, doing it as part of the Norfolk Coast path as well, it gave a lot of, there was more variety. But if you were just going to do that part of the trail, which I think is about 50 miles, I'll, I would do something else. Having said that, there are some stunning, places there's a uh, castle acre for example on that trail which is beautiful really worth spending some time exploring but the other thing i did i think which i did it the wrong way around so i did the coastal path and north coast path section first which was like wonderful and then you're in this tarmac <laughs> hell afterwards
0: so, um, is there any other highlights that you reckon from the National Trails you've done so far anything you can pick out
1: oh the cause way actually was really surprising and I was really surprised by that there's a section across an escarpment and you get views for absolutely miles out over the Well, out over Cheltenham, over the Severn, um, across to the Brecon Beacons in Wales. So that was a real surprise. I wasn't expecting that at all. And I did that in the 30-degree heat wave. And I loved it, absolutely loved it. I I really didn't expect to... (laughs) This sounds really weird. I didn't expect to see much landscape. I expected it to be like countryside walking with these beautiful honey-coloured Cotswold stone villages. And there was some of that, but there was also this these amazing open views and landscapes. So I'd recommend that one. And I
0: it does feel a bit like it's gonna be um a guide to best pub walks yeah yeah, country it does. show, doesn't it? yeah exactly um, did you wild camp along there because i yeah, always I get did. the feeling because with that area I, it always feels a little bit mi- middle class get off my land up there.
1: yeah i'm yeah, really does doesn't it i'm just trying to remember where i did wild camp there was um
0: behind walls and under hedges and that sort of thing
1: <laughs> because of where i'm based there's quite a lot of, often quite a lot to travel so i don't get to the start of a hike until relatively late in the day. So quite often I just do a few miles and I think I camped on that trail the first night was only because I walked, it was a beautiful walk actually from the nearest railway station, which is about eight miles. So I did that first and then walked about three miles of the trail and I stayed, uh, camped on top of this hillside, which is just fantastic views. But it's knowing, it's getting a little bit of local knowledge and knowing where the dog walkers are going to be at you know, six o'clock in the morning and, and those kinds of things and looking for like little bits of open access area. I think I stayed on. The edge of a quarry one night So pitched up there because I'm wild camping I don't like to make definite plans of how far I'm going to walk because like you say you you, you don't know what's ahead you don't know how how difficult it, it's going to be finding a little spot next to the path or whether you're going to have to walk through miles through these pristine estates, you know, and you think, oh, there's no way I'm going to count. That trail actually amazed me because I expected a lot of that get off Mm -hmm. my land kind of attitude along that trail. But the only time I really experienced it was, I think, on James Dyson's estate. Right, there you go. Yep. Exactly, and all the way through that estate, there were signs and fences. You know, keep off this, stay on the path. You know, all the, but there wasn't. It didn't feel like that anywhere else on that trail. So that was quite surprising. Really lovely. Well, yeah,
0: in a similar sort of vein, like because you go out on your own a lot, do you mm-hmm. do you feel safe out on the trails and wild camping? So, though.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, I've never felt say that's not to say i haven't felt anxious and mm-hmm. always nervous the first night or two because I, it's a place i've never been to before so i don't know what it's like mm-hmm. i don't know what to expect social media particularly instagram you can chat to lots of people who might know particular areas or who have hiked particular trails so you can get little bits of information that way about what you might expect but I remember when I did office dyke yeah you know you always have a rough idea of how many miles you'd like to hike that day but my train (laughs) was well basically cancelled so I didn't get there until really late and I couldn't walk very far unless I was wanted to walk in in the dark which it can be quite fun but it wasn't what I was there for, I wanted to actually see the landscape. So I walked about seven miles, I think. And I was quite anxious walking those seven miles because it wasn't where I looked on the map and thought, oh, there's an open spot there. So I'm constantly like, keeping my eye open, thinking, oh, where am I at sleep tonight? And you hear people who, who just continue walking for 30-odd miles because they haven't found anywhere to... Pitch up. I mean, I've never (laughs) that's never happened. But then I have have slept in a ditch before now. (laughs) So you have to be kind of prepared for that unexpected. Yeah, be prepared for the unexpected, which can make you feel anxious, but it doesn't make me feel unsafe. If that makes any sense. Oh yeah, completely.
0: It's just like like you know. I have the privilege of being a big man going out into the into the wilderness and it's a completely different you know it could be a completely different experience for a, a woman going out on her own.
1: Yeah, I mean uh, there are always things that I am aware of like in generally speaking it's it's men that go wild camping. So um you put everything inside your tent and somebody walking past will probably make the assumption that it's a bloke that's in the tent. I always sleep with things like a personal alarm in my hand. It's not always necessary at all And, and I try not to, never to really camp close to villages and towns. Sometimes you have to, you don't have any choice. But in general I try not to and people are more people are, I've got friends who are chats and they say hey, you take such risks and I think no I don't they're calculated mm-hmm. risks and I think that you're more likely to be to put yourself in danger if you if you can Call you you try and stay where people actually are like town villages, I always feel much safer if I'm on a field jet field edge miles outside you know of town or hamlet village whatever yeah, might yeah. Be.
0: and i'm and I'm sure nine hundred and ninety nines out of a thousand everything's fine It's just with this podcast, I want to highlight everyone's experiences, not just mine so and I don't know what it's like to be a woman going out into the outdoors. So if I can ask you, that's better, you know?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I'm sure that there are men out there that feel the same. I mean, mm. if you look in, in terms of aggression, I'm sure that men are more aggressive to other men. I mean, it's just, Like, so you, you must have, I mean, do you ever get anxious yourself? Do you? Find that at
0: all. Or... I've been out walking and there's been a couple of let's call them. I, I call them oi boys. Yeah. And they've got the Bluetooth speaker going and they usually got a ca- couple of cans of beer on the go as well. And I'm thinking we'll just stop here and have a sandwich and let them get on the way a bit. Yeah. There are certain types of blokes that I will steer well yeah. clear of. And if I go in a campsite, you can spot the party tents. And I'm not here for that, you know. Yeah. It is but I don't feel unsafe. It's just a distraction from what I'm out there for. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. But I think also it's being it's being sensible, isn't mm-hmm. it? You don't feel unsafe, but you might feel more unsafe if you were closer to them or if you antagonise them intentionally or unintentionally, you mm-hmm. know, and so you are... I don't know, you're, you're constantly making those judgments aren't you whether mm-hmm. it's conscious or or not and i think that
0: i suppose i make different decisions as well because i've got the kids with me yeah. most of the time as well you know so i'd make it like if i'm quite happily if i was on my own sleep in a ditch <laughs> but five of us can't fit in a ditch
1: <laughs> top and tail <laughs>
0: if you're enjoying the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. There'll be links in the show notes to where you can support us either through the website or through the Patreon page. Every little bit helps. So if you can afford to give us a few pounds each month, then it will help keep the show free. It'll help keep the show free for those that can't. And I'll get to feed my kids. You'll get a lovely warm feeling inside of soundness and kindness. And everyone gets a podcast. You can also follow all our adventures on Instagram, we're at justupthetrail, on our website justupthetrail.com. And one thing you can do for us is if you've got friends that are into hiking and they haven't found the show yet, if you can pass it on to them, get them to subscribe to the show, that would be brilliant. In a couple of weeks' time we're heading out on trail, we're going up to do the Snowdonia way from McConcliffe to Conway, which is about 122 miles over the mountains. So if you want to follow that adventure, that will be on our Instagram account. And I expect I'll post some updates on the website as well as we're going. So right, we'll get right back to the show now. But this is a section where we will be discussing mental health and the positive and negative impacts that getting outdoors has on it. So if this isn't something for you if this if you're not in the right space for this right now then like i said earlier feel free to skip ahead your blog is extensive and it's beautifully well written and well, yeah and i've enjoyed I've been reading some of the more the journal side of it because there's you've yeah. got quite a lot of like trip reports and trail guides, if you like. And then yeah. and then you've got a section for, like, you know, like your own trail journal, if you like. And yeah. you do write on there about your relationship between hiking and your own mental health. So I was wondering if you would like to have a chat about that. And if you don't, that's entirely fine too.
1: No, of course i talk about it.
0: So um like for me... Is very much linked. I can. I've recently, well, before Christmas, I I had my diagnosis of depression and anxiety. Yeah. Which we kind of thought was has been hanging around for a few years now. And as I look back through my photographs, the less photos there are from out and about, you can mm-hmm. see the worst times. But part of it for me as well was so. So like, I always felt better when I was getting out places and you know yeah. going a bit further and just connecting but then what would happen for me was where we lived on the isle of wight and money was very tight and you're looking yeah. at 120 pound for a ferry that yeah. would put so much pressure on a trip that we will get through the new forest in the car hit traffic at ringwood and then it would rain and that's it the trip's ruined
1: i completely yeah, yeah is. so
0: it, it, it's like um everyone talks about how um how good for the soul and how good for your mental health getting out into nature is but it also does have that pressure of this is what I do to be well so therefore it better bloody work
1: yeah and I think that I don't think necessarily that. just being a bit controversial I think that there was there's a kind of evangelical movement that is like you have to get outside. You have to connect with nature for your mental health. But if you are seriously depressed, walking is like walking through treacle. Getting up out of your chair is bloody hard. You know, it's not It's not the be-all and end-all. And if you've got anxieties and pressures and you're like money, to get out and go somewhere if you're living in a city for example how, I mean I'm fortunate I live where I live if I lived in a city and I couldn't access the coast like I, I do would I be depressed more often I I I feel that also there's another thing I noticed I had a really bad period of depression last over Christmas last year. It was not not over Christmas. Um it been going on for about eight months. And there's all you're hearing all the time, you need to get out, you need to go for a walk, all the rest of it. And you know that it it can help maintain well being. But when you for whatever reasons chemical something's happened whatever it might be and your mood has really dropped I find that I was forcing myself to walk so I was walking ridiculous miles because I had this bizarre feeling that exactly like you say this better bloody work and it's not working so I've got to do more of it I can't be walking far enough I can't be walking hard enough I can't be doing it right and so you you get to the point where it kind of like the whole thing just collapses and it's unsustainable and it actually the thing that you really love becomes the 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 enemy almost you know it's like yeah i absolutely want to get to the new forest and i want to feel those feelings that that i know it can give me but it, it your headspace at that moment is not allowing you to access that and it's learning i think <laughs> it takes my effort it's really hard that we all respond very differently to, to, um, to depression and it isn't a one remedy fits all and you have to discover what works for you and not put that pressure on yourself. I mean, maybe connecting with nature when you're feeling that bad is getting into your garden even. I remember a one time I, I was really ill, very sick, and um, a therapist said to me, well, look at the beauty of a daffodil. And I just thought, what beauty? It's just a throwaway. It's just it's does what it does. It lives and it dies, which is what I'm doing. I'm living and then I'm dying. And, and <laughs> But in that moment, I was so ill, I, and and it's really heart wrenching to think that you you're so ill that you cannot see the beauty of the flower, and and there's this kind of just. Aggravates me that there, there, there are people out there, large numbers of people who say that connecting with nature is going to cure you. Well, naff. I know it's a really stupid no, phrase. But,
0: no, I understand you know the thing. It, I find for me, I, I kind of, I'm quite, I, I can be quite devil for a while and then I'll just slowly start to slip. And yeah. I've got better at noticing it now,
1: that's the thing isn't and it?
0: Hazel, hazel my wife she'll notice now, but you know for a few years, I kind of had systems in place that would keep me level for longer, and then when I stopped, you know if they slipped yeah. then i i would i would struggle a bit, but
1: yeah, yeah, I think it's it's like it's exactly like you say it's beginning to recognize the signs. And the earlier you can recognize them, it's easier to step in earlier than it is when it becomes a big (laughs) mess that you're trying to untangle. Um, But it's taken me decades. I mean, I, I was rambling on, I think, yesterday on Instagram that I noticed that my mood is changing and I think actually I haven't noticed my mood changing. I've noticed my behavior changing. I noticed that my motivation to get out of bed, to get a shower, to eat well, to go for a walk. I've noticed changes in my motivation, which lead to, um, illness Hmm. basically so it's like okay while i've got energy i need to fight this drop in motivation and see if i can help myself back up a bit and maintain it but if i can't i will go for help
0: so would it be the it would be the hiking in the getting outdoors that helps to maintain when you're well, it maintains the wellness.
1: Yeah. And it's, um, I've, I've found actually a lot of people like meditation or yoga, those kinds of things that to me are quite still, whereas I need to move that that's just what helps me. I think is, physical i like to feel my heartbeat i like the sweat <laughs> i think like, you know that that feeling that that your uh body is is working um hard which mine generally is when i'm carrying a massive rucksack with my tenting but
0: it's like creativity bound up and all of that as well like, like you say with your artwork and the your writing
1: yeah um I feel, and I've always said this, I'm much more creative when I'm ill. I make more when I'm ill because I'm trying, I suppose, to express how I feel. And I can't always do that verbally. So I try and express myself through making things or whatever it might be. But I always draw never stopped drawing
0: i made my wife a little portable um sketching and watercolor kit to take out on the trail oh, so it's got I like a little it. like a little a6 notebook and then in, inside inside a little pencil case it's got like some some a small little set of mini pencils and some pastels and some cu- yeah. charcoal. so she'll go out and she'll sit and do some sketching and stuff like that so
1: that's a really lovely thing to do isn't it i i am um... Have been that was my plan actually on on walking these national trails was to take a sketchbook and draw the journey like and. I had to, I was like packing great big thick sketchbooks and masses of pencils and watercolours. I, think I took a massive A4 ridiculous. notebook
0: on the um, West Highland Way with me. He's thinking, I'm going to keep a detailed trail journal of every day. That's yeah. the first thing that went in the hiker box at the first stop because we were like, we need to lose some weight.
1: I need to lose some weight. And actually, I'm so tired, I'm not going to be writing you my journal on the way. It's like... Yeah, so it's kind of, I just take a, a small book and a pen or a couple of pencils now, and I still don't manage to do a lot of drawing. So it's really kind of, I I don't know whether that's my mood or, I don't know. I, I think if I look back at my life, I tend to have, I used to think that, to be committed to something, you had to do it for your whole life and you had to not do anything else. So if you were a hiker, you were a hiker. If you were a writer, you wrote. And um, artists made art exclusively. They didn't do anything else. But I've begun to accept that actually that's not me. I have always walked. I have always drawn. I've always written sometimes some of those things are more prevalent than the others and it depends on circumstances and what's going on at the time um but they're always there the, the balance just changes i guess it's like but, the
0: seasons um, isn't it
1: yeah exactly, exactly like yeah that.
0: so um your blog is 10 mile hike yeah and like like I said, I've been having a peruse and there's an awful lot of work gone into that. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, it looks like you've been very consistent for a very long time on that and yet you've still managed to hand over a portion of it to help empower other solo female hikers. You've got your woman of foot section on
1: there. Yeah, and just really starting that I read a book, which I've got here actually so I didn't forget what it's called. It's called Wanderers, a History of Women Walking by Kerry Andrews. And I read it and it's actually really fascinating and she looks at, there's like a chapter on a particular woman throughout history right up until uh, present day, Cheryl Strayed and it looks at how Walking has informed, contributed to their creativity. And I know that there are podcasts out there that that are uh, dedicated to women, hikers or adventurers, whatever they might do. But I've never really found much in the way of written inspiration. And I just thought it would be wonderful, actually, to have a library of women's hiking stories. So, Because obviously, I can share what I do, but there are other amazing women hiking all around the UK. And how exciting it will be to kind of document that and enable other people, like you said, just to drop in and, read off people's stories and find inspiration and maybe what what they need to help them get out and get walking themselves. So that's where that has stemmed from. Uh the author, Carrie Andrews, said that it was very she found it very difficult to find any documentation of women who walked which was Uh, not the case with men Mm. there's there's a lot you know from i don't know words worth to whoever in at the moment and it it just seemed i don't know just something that i i would actually like to do i'd be slow in doing it and i'm trying to be kind to myself and this is where my mental health impacts what I, I'm doing. I don't want to berate myself for not doing it over instantly, mm-hmm. making it a huge library, you know, in like six months or something.
0: I I love the way you describe it as a library. That's entirely what I'm trying to do with this podcast. to make it a library of make it a library of other people's stories. Like over the years I've I've done bits of writing and I've made videos and all different ways of documenting what I'm doing out and about. So, if I can have a platform to share other people's stories, to share your story, then maybe that's where my role lies.
1: The other thing I I find is that that lots of people listen to podcasts. I'm not a, a big listener of of anything. It's just because it's I I do listen to podcasts, but I people have different learning styles, and I. I learn more when I read. Hmm. Uh, that's all it is. And I just think there must be other people out there like me. And it would be nice to have somewhere where I can, where people can go and read information rather than listen or watch um, YouTube videos. And, you know, there's an adding to that, those kind of different types of libraries out there. And it so that there's something for everybody really. And, there are people like you who are really good at uh, talking to people and um, opening conversations and discussions. And I'm shy of that. I, I don't think I'd be very good at that. But I, I love writing and I think by sharing other people's stories in writing, that might be where I can make a difference to other people people are the winning especially so we'll see but how it goes but so, yeah slow steps at the moment
0: brilliant so where where can everyone find you online and in the world
1: uh they can find me most days rambling in instagram stories and that's at 10 Mile height but my blog is 10 Mile height they're mostly where i am i
0: so pl- uh, plans for the summer, you're off?
1: Uh, I'm off to do the Ridgeway in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Hopefully Pembrokeshire Coast Park later in summer. In June, I'm doing something really exciting. Uh, there is, I don't have you heard of the women's adventure group called Love Her Wild? They're quite
0: yes. a big Yes, is
1: that group? Um, Bex? Yeah. Yes. Well, Bex has organised... A sponsored walk, I suppose, in, in its most basic form, which is a relay called the end-to-end relay, women's end-to-end relay, and it's a relay from Lands End to John and I've been asked to lead the first stage between wonderful Lands End to Weybridge. I think so it's about a hundred miles, so I've got that coming up in June which I'm really excited Excellent. about and then after that plans are uh, still falling so, but yeah should be a fun exciting summer I hope
0: brilliant that's been wonderful this evening thank you so much for coming out to play thank you for your openness as well I really appreciate that
1: uh, thank you for asking me it's been lovely yeah. to meet mm. you and to chat and, yeah
0: Excellent. And best of luck in all your adventures going forward. And you
1: too. Good luck with the podcast.
0: So how good was that? Once again, I'd like to thank Steffi for her openness and for her enthusiasm. That's something I've really taken from this first round of interviews or chats. Everyone is just really sound and really excited and really, really just really enthusiastic about what I'm trying to do here. So it's so much more than i could have hoped for thank you very much we've got exciting things coming up over the next few weeks we've got interviews with tom from off the beaten part and trev from summit or nothing and probably hopefully a podcast recorded on location on the snowdonia way as we head out for our first proper hiking trip in over two years so like subscribe tell your friends do the patreon thing visit Steffi's blog all the links are in the show notes Thanks to the speed gums for all the music on this show. And I'll catch you all next time, just up the trail. Bye. The hill, the top of the hill.